there was pipes bloody everywhere and then they were going your kidneys are going to fail your liver's going to fail you're going to go into intensive care we'll have to do surgery this is what's going to happen um so literally pipes everywhere if you had to come and see me you had to wear masks and hair nets and aprons and gloves and covers on your shoes so everyone thought they saw me one day and me going oh, i got cancer but hey we're gonna go through this and then the next day they would come and visit me and literally that was the state of me in a room it gets better cause it has to get better we're all made of human hello and welcome to the made of human podcast my name is sophie hagen and i am your host i'm also a stand-up comedian i am also from Denmark. I hope that explains the weird kind of accent thing that I have going on. Um, just uh, this is a po- I, if you if you're new to this, I hope uh, I hope you like this. It's a podcast in which I uh, try to speak to people about how to do life, how to become an adult, how to uh, function as a human being. Uh, it turns out no one has any idea, so it ends up being a conversation between two people who are confused by life um, and every once in a while I get people to say something that's uh, that's really helpful and this is one of those episodes because Stuart Saint is uh, absolutely incredible and uh, you're going to hear that in a bit. This is a two-parter. We've not had one of those since Susan Kalman and it's sort of for the same reason. It's because uh, Stuart goes into some, uh, so some deep stuff. Uh, Stuart's had uh, quite a life. I suggested you check out the trigger warnings just in case there's something that you might not be prepared for. Uh, I thought you needed this in two parts. It's a long conversation, Stuart. <laughs> As he says, he talks a lot, but so do I. So it ended up being quite a long episode. But uh, I think it's healthy to take it in two parts because it's so there's so much stuff happening over so little time. So, uh, anyways... Just quickly first, I'm, uh, as I said, I'm a stand-up comedian, meaning that I'm currently on tour with my stand-up show called Dead Baby Frog. I only have like very few tickets left for like the rest of the tour. Um, I have, there are tickets left for the UK. I think there are tickets left for Hull, Northampton, and possibly Canterbury, maybe Reading as well. New Milton, there's definitely tickets in New Milton. Go to sophiehagen.com to find tickets for that. My Denmark tour, Copenhagen has sold out. Uh, but if you go to my website, oh, to my Facebook, there's an event happening the day before my Copenhagen show, uh, where I'm gigging with Mark Watson in Copenhagen. And, uh, but there are still tickets left for Odense, Aarhus, and Aalborg. Um, you can go to sophiehagen.com again to find those. Uh, thank you for getting in touch about the filming of Dead Baby Frog. There are still a few tickets left for the 11th of March when I'm filming the show in London. Uh, you can go, to, uh, you can email me at madeofhumanpodcast at gmail.com, um, to get some of the, the le- very, I think there's only 10 tickets left or something. And I love having Made of Human Podcast listeners there. So you can do that. Uh, and in, in another way, this is a kind of a special episode because this is the part where I would have done the act of disobedience. But I loved it. I just, I don't know. I tried something new and I wanted to tell it to Stuart because I knew he's, he's so funny. So uh, you won't hear it now, but the episode will start with me uh, reading him the act of disobedience uh, and him trying to help me to get through it because I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I was in a, it was a weird day. It was a weird mood. I felt, um, I felt comfortable in his presence and I that made me feel a bit um unprofessional. 
Also, like I, you know, this it was the first day home from having spent three weeks in Denmark and over Christmas, and my first day back at work, so to say. So, I don't know how I'm gonna sound in this whole episode. I think I felt a bit all over the place. Anyways, I hope you, uh, I hope you'll like it. Um, I'll quickly just plug. Um, madeofhumanpodcast.com there's you can buy t-shirts you can support the show financially you can help me out you can submit your act of disobedience uh, through madeofhumanpodcast.com and um, yeah and I want to thank you thank you so much for um, for donating it, it, uh, you have no idea how much it means it means it's everything so so thank you so so much for that I'm going to let you listen to uh, the episode now so uh, please do enjoy the incredible Stuart Saint So I have a segment called uh, Acts of Disobedience. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not what you think it is. I can tell oh, by your face you've got to be really disappointed. So basically, uh, someone messaged me once, a, a listener, <clears throat> saying that she'd been walking down the street and someone shouted something, at, like something horrible, abuse at her. And she just bought a six-pack of Coke and... Um, she was like, usually I would have just, you know, not done anything, not thought about it. But I had the six pack of Coke and they were sitting in a in an open car. So she started opening the cans of Coke and she threw it into <gasps> the car. She's my new spirit animal. Right? Yeah. That's problematic, by the way. You can't say spirit animal. Oh, my God. But just, just, you know. And uh, <laughs> so she did that. And then I was like, that is incredible. Uh, so I've started Acts of Disobedience. Uh, so... Have people uh, been sending them in to you? Yeah, so people send them in on madeofhumanpodcast.com. Uh, they send in their act of disobedience. So, uh, and then I usually read them. Um, right, so this is from H, having sent in their act of disobedience. I still can't decide whether this was an act of disobedience, really, but I know it felt good. This might mean I'm a bad person. Here we go. <laughs> I had just finished a DJ set at one of my favorite bars in town and I settled down in the corner with some friends for a pint. I was on top I was on the top floor which was a half dance floor and stage, half dive bar pub tables and seating. The party was in full swing and the room was really full and sweaty, but our pub table's corner had a light on and the other side was all dark and discoy. Anyway, this group of s- this group of suited and booted lads were really drunk and dancing next to our little table. I try really hard not to make judgments about people based on their appearance, but I really struggle with groups of trendy, affluent-looking white lads because of the overwhelming proof I have been given. Still, I try to just ignore them. Then one of them started reaching over our whole table, knocking drinks over and ensuing chaos to switch our light off. Immediately, I just switched it back on because we didn't want it off. Again, he clambered over our table, knocked a whole pint in my friend's lap, and switched it off again. My friends and I were like, dude, can you not do that? We don't want the light off, and look at all the chaos you've created. He just laughed, and I said, I want the light off. Well, even though it was a relatively small thing, and I'm not normally aggro. Is that aggressive? Aggravated? A-G-G-R-O. Agro. Is it like slang for aggressive? Yeah, like, nice. yeah, I don't want any aggro, mate. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look at me being butch. I'm, <laughs> I'm not normally aggro. I just hate that. I just hate that I want this, so it's happening attitude. So I stood up and got in his face and told him to fuck off. His witty and original retort was, you're fat, which, while 100% accurate, didn't seem that relevant. <laughs> so I said to him, I could lose weight if I wanted to, whereas you will always be a cunt. <laughs> 
He just sort of stared at me whilst stuttering. Granted, it's not the least problematic weight-related retort I've ever spouted, but I forgave myself that in the heat of the moment. Uh, I forgave myself that in the heat of the moment. With that, me and my friends finished our drinks and went to get the bouncer to kick him out. Maybe a tad disproportionate, but a cumulative... There's so many words in this one. Cumulative... Cumulative? Yeah, I'm, I barely got GCSEs. I got like... <laughs> Reaction. Uh, a cumulative reaction from grinning and bear, bearing it, barring it, bearing it, bearing it. When I, thank you for being here. That's I couldn't right. have done That's this without it. you. Uh, when dudes act like toddlers in public, the night is dedicated to femme bands and musicians, and that is all we play. So it felt more frustrating that he was being such a cock in a female positive space. The fact that he looked so shocked and even a tiny bit scared made me feel like I'm more powerful than I give myself credit for. Aww. Isn't that amazing? Yay! I get, and I get, I have like one of these a week and it's the most empowering thing ever. Thank you, H. That was uh, bloody awesome. So <laughs> I feel, you know what, this is like a proper like January episode because it's all a bit of a mess and... Oh, it's really a mess. And you've had, you've just had a Cinnabon. I've just, I've just not been, I've just, yeah, I've just been for Chinese for lunch, which is weird, um, but it was nice, and um, uh, yeah, and I had a cinnabon. I'm kind of feeling it though now. Yeah, I kind of could go down and have a kip. Yeah, and it was just, just really, really weird. I was just having this Chinese with my friend, and then I just get this message going: "Do the podcast now! Do it now!" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I had to have a, a cinnabon. To, we had a. We were going to do this about a month ago, so I felt that you must have at some point had. I've been a bit prepared. I'm always prepared. You're always prepared. Yeah. That's what I thought. So do you usually, because that was my argument, was, well, if we do <clears> this now, when it's kind of last minute, and I'm a bit tired, you're a bit tired, and my argument was that we were going to be less guarded. Yeah, But okay. are you usually guarded? No, no, not really. I'm quite open. Maybe too open sometimes. <laughs> so. How so? Um, oh, I know you're going to do that, aren't you? I'm going to say something. Ask you a question. Oh, um, no, because I think I'm. I, yeah, I sometimes I can not, not. It's not a bad thing, but I, I verbal diarrhea. Sometimes I can just be like, uh, blah. Do you I, regret it afterwards, though? Uh, only if it's taken in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't, because it's just me. I've always been a talker, anyway, yeah. and um, since all my my troubles, my adventures, of, of, you know, um, the things I've been through over the last few years, it just sort of. It's that thing where like don't hold back anymore because mm-hmm. oh, this is really cliche, but you're not here for long, and it could be taken away from you at the very last minute, very quickly. But do you know what? Like I found that out the really hard way, and it's like oh shit. So just say what you need to say, do what you need to do. Okay, so let's. Do yeah. you remember the moment? Like, do you remember the last moment where you were aware, but before? Whatever happened, happened. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember the last moment where you were, where you maybe did take it for granted? Oh yeah, like the last day or the. Last, do you ever think about that? Like, wow, I was so innocent before. Yeah. That happened. Yeah. Do you remember anything about that? Not, not like specific details, but yeah, because <coughs> I constantly now see it in other people. How so? Well, because it was all illness and I faced death. There we go. Like, we, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no worry. We will talk but about like, it. Like, but like, it's not kind just of trying to get the context, just trying yeah. to explain it. So, um, so uh, that all happened when I was 33. So that was like yeah. seven, eight years ago, seven years ago. So what happened? Um, and then, hang on, sorry. Um, 
So when I see people of that age that haven't had anything that tragic happen or that mm. bad happen, I sort of see them just gallivanting around and doing their thing, which is great and amazing. But I do have this like slight bitter, slight cynical, but also this other sort of way that my brain's been rewired to go, uh, don't be so frivolous with that don't push that aside because that's important you know so we see other people doing it but if you don't know you don't know and you can't tell anybody yeah. whereas now I know because I had this moment where I was like I was either going to stay here or I was going to be gone yeah. and, it, and it could have gone either way very quickly and it was going the bad way for a bit and then it, it flipped thank goodness and I'm still here but um, yeah that it teaches you that but as the years have gone on you do slip back to that innocence but then you do have that reminder of going oh yeah remember not to be so and you have to backtrack sometimes or I have to go revisit somebody that I've had a conversation going, I shouldn't have said that. Or, you know, actually, I really needed to say this to you and I didn't in the moment. Yeah, because you get back to real life, which is weird. So where were you? What happened? Right, the whole death thing. Yeah, the, the whole death thing. Okay, now it's really long. Do you want it really quickly? Not necessarily. It's really long, but so, well, because it's your fault, that, well, not your fault, but you helped me do my video. I did a video on Facebook recently. I came up about my yeah. HIV status. So I was di- diagnosed HIV, a positive. And then um, <clears throat> a few months later, I had this terrible, horrendous appendicitis, just appendicitis. Um, and they went, oh, it's keyhole surgery and it'll take two hours. And then eight hours later, I rolled out of the operating room and I'm actually waking up as they're rolling out. And I saw the clock and was like, shit, let's eight hours later. Massive big cut down the, the middle of my stomach, a huge 35 staples. I looked like like the Sally doll out of Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> looked like I didn't have a stomach or a belly button. It was very weird. Um, and they told me that it was really bad and they had to take a part of my bowel away and um, and wash it all out and blah, 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 blah. And you're on morphine right now and press this button, you get more. So I was pressing it loads and, and I was like flying like a kite. And then, um, so that was that. And then about, I was recovering from that about two, three weeks into it, I get this phone call and went to see the consultant. And went, oh, you have cancer. That's what caused it. So yeah, that was bad. <laughs> um, and it was a cancer called Burkitt's lymphoma. Um, it is related to the HIV in a sense that it's, it's due to a breakdown in the immune system. So it is known for that. It is known uh, as at this an, point, how long had you had? Had you known you had HIV? In November, December, January, February, March, April. Uh, seven months. So did, do you, did you know how long you had had HIV for? No. No, you don't know that? No. They can never, they can't tell that. Okay. They can't make that out. No. Um, so you're done for seven months and then you get that. And then, then you get the appendicitis and then three weeks later, cancer. And they said, oh, it's non-Hodgkin's. So that means it's aggressive and it's fast spreading. Um, and yeah, Burkitt's lymphoma is blood cancer. as It's a form of leukemia type thing. It's all very confusing. And then they're like, oh, it's stage three, three B. I was like, okay, so it's kind of in the middle. Um, and it's in your abdomen. So I hadn't had... That was on like the Wednesday. And on the Thursday, you know, the, sorry, the Friday, I went to the big hospital for the big consultant to be checked over. And then that's when it got more devastating. They discovered it was nearly terminal. It was like stage 4B. Um, it was sort of everywhere except for my brain and my spine. And there was about a 30% success rate. So that was kind of... Where were you, where were you at in your life at this point? I was working as a dancer and a choreographer, mainly, um, And I was doing bits and bobs like I always have done, but I was working, I was really pushing myself as a choreographer. And I just started to get MTV stuff, BBC stuff. I was um, workshopping a show of mine that I'd written uh, as well, a dance show. And literally one day I was doing that and then like, the next day, cut down the middle. My core, my abs gone. And then like, yeah, like, yeah, and then the cancer. And then I've never got back to that either. Did so. you, how was it f- finding that out? Was it... 
I can imagine you go into like a weird kind of state of mind where you're not really. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go. The, the, my only thing in my head was, you're not finished yet. What was the point? I have things to do, and I was sort of really interrupt, like rudely interrupted. Um, so it felt like somebody going. They interrupted it, and I was like, "Hey." I got shit to do. So can, what do I need to do to get myself better so I can go and do the stuff that I'm here for? Because what was the point of coming here if I was going to be taken in, I was 33, um, as I was just getting to know myself, just getting really confident, really skilled at what I was doing and just like, right. And I felt good at putting it out there and I was starting to break through these little things and I was like, okay. And then, yeah, and I was just really interrupted. So it just, I was not happy about it. <laughs> But this thing in your head goes, well... Um, do you give up or do you get through it? So I decided to do whatever was necessary to, because I didn't want to go. Was that an easy decision? Yeah, it was really quick. Yeah? Yeah. The process isn't easy and I'm still no. getting on with the process now, seven years on. The process of? Of getting on with it, coping with it. I hate the word coping. No, I think that's exactly the situation coping yeah, is Yeah, but just for. adapting your life and processing your life and keep going through your daily life because there's been problems since it all. There was eight months of chemo. Um, I lived in hospital for virtually those eight months. Um, it was pretty, in- the most they can give anybody, most aggressive. There was a day of 24 hours of chemo, which is a lot. That happened twice. I went through four cycles of it with very little breaks in between each cycle. When I first went in and started the chemo, which is the, the consultant was on the Friday of all the tests and everything, and I started the chemo on the Tuesday. That's how quick it was. And I had two really invasive surgeries that morning, and then they started the chemo, and because my bowel hadn't healed, it burst open. So literally, I had told everyone I've got, I had appendicitis. A few people knew about the HIV, and then it was like, oh, by the way, I've got cancer now, and I have to go to hospital, and I need you all. So then what happened was the day I go in, Everything's sort of a bed of roses. Had these little invades. I had this bone marrow test and then this surgery to put a Hickman's line in. It goes in like a big vein in your heart and stuff. So I had that put in. So it's like, right, and then they take me to the ward and start the chemo, start the chemo. And then I started to throw up and stuff and my stomach had burst. Jesus. And literally I went straight into like a no pressured room. I was, there was pipes bloody everywhere. And then they were going, your kidneys are going to fail. Your liver's going to fail. You're going to go into intensive care. We'll have to do surgery. This is what's going to happen. Um, so literally pipes everywhere if you had to come and see me you had to wear masks and hair nets and aprons and gloves and covers on your shoes so everyone thought well, they saw me one day and they go no I got cancer but hey we're going to go through this and then the next day they would come and visit me and literally that was the state of me in a room and I went down to like six stone very quickly it was bad at this point had you come to terms with the HIV? not really but but I kind of <laughs> recently well the We'll talk about it, but I did the video where I came out online to mm. just sort of get it out of the way. Because I've told people, but I've never really, like, gone full out because I've always... I've not really ever accepted it, to be honest. But as I was trying to accept it, cancer got in the way. So my focus got pulled onto something else. And it never got pulled back until recently. What happened recently that made you... Just that I was... Oh, this is, I tried, it's telling it all backwards, but... The summer had just gone, I got quite ill. So like, what, six months ago? Like August, September time. But unfortunately, I obviously got through all the chemo, got into remission. I've been in remission six years. So it's all fabulous and wonderful. But it takes you about three years to fully recover from that amount of chemo. But they always say that you'll always have a weakness in your immune system. You'll always have issues because of that much chemo, which is fine. 
but then a year and a year and a half, 18 months ago, I kept getting chest infections and chest infections. And they thought that it was partly to do with my situation and going through the chemo and stuff and the cancer. I did every test under the sun because they went, you had a lot of chemo, you'll have some scar tissue somewhere and that's what's causing it. But nothing, 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 nothing. And they discovered that one of the chemotherapies destroyed my B cells. So I can't produce antibodies to fight any kind of infection. <laughs> so how am I still alive? <laughs> yeah. So that, I found out about a year and a half ago, about 18 months ago. So I have to put, it's like a blood transfusion. I have to put antibodies into me. And I used to go to hospital all the time to have it done. It was horrible. And now I do it myself at home once a week. But six months ago, I felt ill and I caught three viruses through just being around. One was strep, so which is common in children, strep throat, because I was teaching children. So I'm never doing that ever again. And then there was just flu bugs and stuff around and, I, and it caused sinusitis. So I had these three viruses all at once. So I had to go into hospital. And while I was there, I was doing really well with everything, going, oh, it's OK, I'll just put these antibodies in and I'll be fine. And then they sort of, sort of the doctors sort of laid it all out on the line because I always think, feel like I'm a indestructible Trojan sort of thing. And they sort of just laid it out and went, this is always going to happen forever. Until if they could ever find a way of replacing my antibodies for good without having to, you know, they just sort of said that this will happen all the time and it's unpredictable. At any time I could get ill and I might have to go back into hospital or I might shake it or it might just take three or four months to get rid of it. Who knows? And it could just all start from a common cold. One of the viruses was a common cold. It's crazy. How, how did you, so how did you, how did you get into dancing? If you Ma- got back to like... Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> Come on, I was born in 78. So that was oh, I'm that, not judging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madonna. Yeah. Madonna Musical Theatre. But I didn't really see much as a kid, but I don't know. Well, and Five Star, but you're probably too young to remember who they I were. I have no yeah. idea. They were a British band, uh, Brothers and Sisters, kind of like a British version of Michael Jackson, the Jackson Five kind of, but, but upbeat pop. Yeah. Cheesy, but they used to wear like baseball shirts with big shoulder pads and glitter gloves. I think I'm trying to imagine. Five Star Amazing. I used to do that all the time in my bedroom. That's what I'm trying to picture as the before. Lonely little gay boy learning to dance in his bedroom to five, to five star on their cassettes or Madonna videos and stuff. That's, what, that's how I sort of got into it. And then I would do shows at school and all that kind of thing. Were you lonely? Uh, yeah. Horrendously bullied. Where did you grow up? All over. Yeah? Yeah, I got moved around a lot. Not because of just family and the way that we lived. Um, London, born here in London, moved to Manchester Um, and then we've lived in the Midlands a bit and just moved around a lot. And I came back to London 14 years ago. Is that part of the loneliness? Was that the whole moving around? Maybe, because I never or? sort of like then had those friends. Like I've got friends that for long term friends now from years ago. And thanks to Facebook, I'm actually reconnected. We still haven't met up, but reconnected to a girl that was in my primary school class. And we always talk about how um, that <laughs> she had appendicitis and I took her around a box. And I wanted to take her a present. So gay. Um, and um, my mum took me and we got a box of Maltesers and took it around to our house and we always still talk about it her name's Claire Claire Courtney she's listening um, and we still we, she's in London but we just haven't managed to hook up yet and meet up but yeah thanks to Facebook we found each other but I don't really have because we went to so many different schools like loads of like school friends and people that have been with me all my life kind of thing so, I, yeah did you and did you know you were gay from a oh yeah always never like contemplated being straight it was just always there When did you, how does that work? Is that, did you grow up in a culture where that was presented as an option? No. Or was there a moment where oh, you went, it wasn't oh, option. that's it? I just knew the moment I started puberty and getting into those kind of feelings and whatever, when you're looking at my dad's porn, it would all be at, at the 
the the, the men than the women. But yeah, I didn't go back looking at your dad's, dad's porn. Po- oh come on! Everyone looks at their dad's porn. <laughs> Welcome. And this is also the eight, well late eighties, I suppose. Late eighties, yeah. Where was this porn? This is like a classic, like in like under the bed. Kind yeah, of that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like you peeked over his shoulder. No. <laughs> pedophilia <laughs> thing i don't think i don't know that's anyways no uh, no 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 no. it was it would be like yeah you you, you um, not, i've never heard that sentence before what, dad's porn yeah yeah like yeah dad's porn. yeah dad's porn <laughs> back of the wardrobe or something or whatever or underneath a bed or whatever In, being kids and curious and inquisitive isn't it and no internet <laughs> Oh yeah, back in the yeah, day. back in the day, the glory the days. Day. Oh, I sound so old. Well, I I feel old because we had the uh, we had there was one channel called Channel Copenhagen. Yeah, which was after like one a.m. like one a.m. to two a.m. I think they had like a uh, what's it called? I want to say call girl, but that's not. Oh what it right, is. yeah. Hello, you've called naughty numbers. Yeah, exactly. My name's Veronica. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you could see it. You could see it, but you'd have to call in to hear her. Yeah. So that was kind of boring. You're okay. just like watching this woman. Yeah talk to someone and you couldn't hear but then at like 2am the porn and it was like soft core it was like people yeah, 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 kissing yeah. naked but still that was so exciting yeah yeah that's what I mean it was exciting but I was okay. always I was not fascinated by the ladies but the men and the, the energy and all of that was there a moment when you were like ah no, it, I, no it I, don't, I can't yeah it was just always there I've never had feelings for, for, for girls or for, the fe- for female or anybody else other than guys but I never questioned it but became ashamed of it because of the way society is I was never like I'd never had a problem with it mm. at all. Did you, get, did you get to internalize it? Or, it I, I feel like it's. I think there's a difference in the way you talk about this compared to how you talk about other stuff. And you seem. It's almost like you get really. Like you, you seem really strong when you talk about it. Do you well, know about what I mean? being gay, you mean? Then yeah, you kind of like. No, <laughs> no, but it's like. it's. You're kind of like, yeah, this is fine. There's no. Yeah, well, it is because it's, it, yeah. it's, it's just. I'm not saying like. <laughs> no. Well, also, what, what, so what, what? I couldn't even give you a date, but I suppose like mid to late eight years, um, being gay. I didn't know what being gay was. I just knew I liked the guys, and then um, I got bullied at school. First, it was because I used to hang around with the girls. Used to call me a girl. And Stuartina, I think they used to call me Stuartina. T- yeah, Stuartina, um, which I kind of liked because <laughs> um, I was a geeky, nerdy little teacher's pet I was because I liked it um and always creative um yeah but I was never like out loud and proud because there was all the oh you can't speak about this kind of thing and then obviously as you get into your teenage years and I went to high school oh like you really become aware and that's when you sort of go inward with it but it was always there always knew never and I was never worried about it and also watching in bed with Madonna was definitely the the icing on the cake to go oh yes this is what gay is and this is I remember the first gay thing I saw though there's an amazing book of stories called Tales of the City by Armistead Mopin. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No. Sophie Hagen, I demand you get them and read them. Okay. They're amazing books set in the 70s in San Francisco, gay life. And it's all about around this house um, on Barbary Hill. And um, used to have, um, it was really exciting having been kids and having a TV in your bedroom. And uh, we used to have black and white with a little dial like I know the one in the lounge had because we had the four you had the four channels one two three four that was it and um, down in the lounge I, I can't remember when we got our first telly with a remote control we had this telly for a long time and you had to get up and change the channel um, but upstairs we had we had TVs in our bedroom they were black and white and they were like you tune the dial and had to wiggle the aerial on the top and stuff and um, 
when you go to bed, lights out and all that. But I remember one night watching it in my, I always used to do it, watch it in my room. <laughs> you weren't allowed to watch the telly. God, kids are today, it's so easy, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and this thing was on Channel 4. And it was, te- it was a, a mini-series version um, of Tazen City. It had like Posey Parker, Laura Linney, Olympus, Olympia Dukakis. Um, it was amazing. And I saw gay people. And I was like, that's what I am, right? That feels like the reason why representation matters, doesn't it? Right? Well, I'm now thinking about that with the HIV stuff and um, lots of thoughts about that. Um, But yes. Uh, Like how so? Well, just so you say about representation, it's like my, a friend of mine, drag queen, uh, is reading stories in libraries at the moment dressed as a drag queen for kids and, and reading non-gender specific stories, um, which is really great. Um, you are not going to like me. I hate all the words, by the way. I disagree with words and labels. Oh, okay. I don't believe in... I believe in the if you the way that you want to be, but the word non-binary or cis or this and that and the other. I think the only name there's two labels we should carry. One is human being, and the other is just your name. The rest of it is what makes you wonderful. But I don't believe that it needs to be categorized: gay, straight, black, white, Asian, whatever. I just think your name is Karen, and you are a human being. Great, and there's a million and one wonderful things that make you, and I'll find that out as we go along. Do you know what I mean? I would never because yeah. I never approach someone and think. So, are you a woman? Are you a man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you? Do you fancy men? Do you fancy because it's just the life is a spectrum and people fluctuate all over it so to me i'm just like what's your name all right so you're steve all right that, that'll do me fine right now you know but what i mean yeah but i think but there is the thing the, is because you want to belong you want to identify yeah, yourself as or something is it also not that the labels are a like a reaction to the fact that because there's not enough rep- is a thing. yeah yeah of course yeah you know so but it's I think like the, society the, the is frontier like, is none yeah. of it we all should oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. people I go think that's yeah, the ideal, isn't yeah. It? yeah oh god it'd be oh, amazing that everything's yeah. a spectrum and there's never yeah. black or white but also just... the thing was like with with, with 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 hiv as well it's like it's just a thing like, like i did this video where i came out which you helped instigate to a point and you shared it which I got this amazing response because you shared it but so many people were like it's just, it's just a virus isn't that in the name and I was like oh yeah kept thinking of it and looking at it is this really dirty bad thing because people make you feel that way and it's exactly the same as like when I was young and coming to terms of being gay and I said it on the video I felt the shame for being HIV positive and it felt the same as when I was 15 trying to tell people that three bloody letter word and it's the word it's not the actual fucking virus. I've sworn. Is that, oh. oh, you can swear. Don't yeah. Worry. It's not the virus. It's just that bloody word. There's so much attached to it. and it, But you want to say it out loud. And also the video I did wasn't really for the 5,000 views or for people to, it was for me to just say it. Then I can't bloody take it back. Then it's done. Then I have to ever worry about it ever again. It's just like, right, gone. And it did do it. But I, I was still on the video and it was, it was just like when I was, it's the same feeling. Overwhelmed, the shame, wanted to break out. And just not have it be a bloody issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think It just so. is. It's just a virus. Diabetes is just a virus. So why is it... Because it's just a virus. Why is it so fucking... Well, I know why, but like... Why is all this crap surrounding it? It's dreadful. Sorry, we've got a run there. We've no, totally... don't it. No, but, you, but yeah, so... I know we're jumping a lot, but yeah, I, I but quite people, like that. Yeah, but thank you. I think it's... It, it, it's it's how my brain works. Anyway. It's, how, it's how our brains yeah. work, but it's also it's nice to kind of hear about what you were like before and then what you're going through right now, and then the period of like when all the awful stuff happened all at once. Yeah. Um, so the HIV thing. So you for, for seven months you were dealing with that. You yeah, got, going you, on meds. Trying how, how much? Because we've we've talked a bit in private and, and you talked about in the video the taboos around HIV and how that's. Yeah. bullshit and all of that which we'll, I really want to hear more about that but um, 
Did you, when, when you were first told that you had this, did you know about it? Did you also I knew I was exposed, believe? so I needed to go. It was, it was, it sounds really dumb at this age talking about it, but because you're not, this is another thing as well. It needs to be taught. Sex education for all needs yes. to be taught because I wasn't taught. Now, this is me pointing the finger and blaming, and I don't really want to blame anyone. I should be responsible for my own actions. But there is this thing where I've grown up with no information about being gay and gay sex. And um, not that HIV is a gay sex thing, but protecting yourself or what is acceptable in a male-male sexual relationship. And I don't just mean the sex itself. I mean about control, grooming or... um, when to say no, what, what is right and what is wrong. Because it's done in heterosexual sex at school, but it's not done. Well, it's barely done in heterosexual Well, I know, so it's but yeah, not at all. But all of that, like what is acceptable and what is, yeah. do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And when you learn the education of it, just so you are knowledgeable, then there is no fear. And when there's no fear, then there's more sensible. I have a trait in my personality when... Sometimes it's really weird, isn't it? It's not just me, but people that sometimes when you fear or you get scared, sometimes you rebel. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and yeah. How so? I've done it sexually. When you fear, you rebel? Yeah, or, or when you get pushed in by people, you tend to explode somewhere else. Does that make sense? Mm. Uh, I can't, like... Do you want an example? Well, like, if the world is... There's a line in the Wicked, the musical, and it's, it's really funny. If you say that I'm wicked, then I'll be wicked through and through. And it's like, if you're saying that I'm gay, then I'll be really fucking gay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I get what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's like yeah. if parents say you can't do that, then you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. And yeah. you kind of kick up your heels, especially as a teenager. And it's that kind of, I think a little bit with, it must be a little bit with that. But also, it's, I didn't have much knowledge about when to say no. If someone wants to have unprotected sex, then for me to say no. Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, I let them do it. But then when you should get older, I should be more responsible. And, and, you know, but you do things. You get caught up in situations and you do things. And I do sort of point the blame at the education system. Oh, yeah. But no, to, I think you're totally Yeah, justified. but at the same so time, justified. I do need to, resp- if you're talking about adulting, <laughs> be an adult. But like... But there's a lot of saying it's the should. Knowledge. Yeah. Saying should can go fuck itself. Because... There's, there's something else as well. Sorry. Yeah, go on. The other thing is, it's, it's just because it's just coming to my head. And this is going to sound really... I don't really talk about this, but... There is a thing about not being accepted and not being loved and validated for who you are, but without the big parade of validating for you, I just let it just be. It just is. Being gay just is because you're always having to prove, always having to prove. Um, but then there's a lack of love. There is a lack of attention. There's a lack of love. And it has. there's been a lack of love for my family because of it. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just the way that it was. And the time, because times are very different now. And I'm sure kids growing up, I see, you see these videos of these kids with parents allowing their children to wear dresses and things and express. And I'm like, yay, do more, do more. But without that, then you're not validated. You're not loved. So you search. I was searching for it wherever I could find it. And that was in a lot of sex. Do you know what I mean? When I was getting more comfortable with that side, you would seek it out. And because you wanted to be, you felt validated, you felt truly who you were, you sort of let them do what they want to a point, which is really bad. It's really fucked up. Because you're scared that you won't be enough. Mm. If I start saying no, what if they get upset and they leave? Yeah. And then I'm alone again. Or do something else. 
there is always that. Yeah, that's true. You know, there's, because you're young and impressionable because you're not educated properly. So that's why I always go back to that education. It just bugs me. But then I'm like, yeah, but you're a responsible adult. You should be responsible for yourself. But it's like, oh, I don't know. There's a, there's a weird, with the, the whole thing, the, the shaming of the gay. <laughs> shaming of the gay. <laughs> there, that's the title for the podcast. <laughs> shaming of the gay. But, you know, but there's that not acceptable in society or, it, you know, not being about it. So I didn't recognise it anywhere else. So I didn't grow up with it, with it, with it, lack of it being on TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then the lack of education, especially sex education. So did you learn, like, because I'm obviously didn't go to school here. Yeah. And then also this is... We did sex ed, yeah, but not a lot. Yeah, because my impression... It was about all the bits and pieces. Yeah. Masturbation. All the boys got pulled into a room and got spoken to about masturbation. And condoms, that was it. You know, the old condom on a banana or a cucumber. Yeah. That was about it. The rest of it, unfortunately, I learned from porn or from my friends. I'm really out of speaking. I actually just had lunch with my friend. I won't say his name. But, like, when I meet with some of my gay friends, I'm quite open, especially about the sexual side of things. We talk about it. It's like girl talk. Because if you don't... How do you not know that it's not regular? Oh, Jesus. You've got to talk about it. Can I tell you that I was, I shot like a pilot for a sex ed, like comedy show. Because <laughs> I, I wanted like to create something where, like exactly for that, for like kids to go on YouTube and see, and then they'll have like a funny, and they'll learn about it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, my whole pitch was just, guys, this country, like you need better sex ed. And then uh, I was talking to someone from somewhere and they were going, like on camera, they were going, yeah, so you need to know about all the protection. There's these things, there's these things. It's a female condom. There's, and I was like, sorry? It's, like, it's a female condom. I was like... Did you not know about that? I was like, the femidom. What? I had no fucking idea. Do you know what the femidom no, is? I, well, I don't know. It's not the same. Basically, like a piece of plastic you just put over your... Yeah. I had no fucking idea. And I remember I when they like came out, the femidoms. Was, Ooh. I never, ever heard of it. <laughs> They make me... And I was literally but. like, what, but what can happen? And they're like, uh, lots of stuff can happen. I'm like, oh, shit. Here was I pitching like, a, you guys need to be better at teaching. And you didn't know. I was like, I what? I, you do what? And like, she was literally teaching me on camera. No, you put it over and then you Great, do that's that. really cool. That's the whole like, point, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah it wasn't meant to, it was meant to be me teaching kids. And <laughs> not like... <laughs> no, did you, have you seen Big Mouth, the cartoon series on Netflix? Big Mouth, no. Yeah, it's really good. It's like... um. Nick Kroll. Oh, nice. Um, and it's a cartoon um, animation. Uh, but Well, it's aimed at adults because it's filthy, but it's about these young kids going through puberty. And each episode's a different thing about puberty, but it's aimed at adults. And for the That's girls amazing. and the boys, they have the horn monster, like the hormone monster. Is it Maya Rodolfo from or Rodolfo from SNL? She plays the female one. Oh my god, it's the funniest thing. Is that eight episodes? Is that there's a period one, there's a wet dream, like like there's a gay sex one. It's brilliant. It's so funny. I know it's not aimed at children at all, but as, no, but, but as an adult what? watching it, you go, God, I wish this was around when I was a teenager. But that's a really good point because yeah. what you're basically saying, because if you say like, okay, you, so we didn't learn anything about gay sex when we were kids, and then the next thing you say is, well, I should have been more responsible when I was an adult. But at what point? Are you meant to learn it? Exactly. And if it's how, not there. How, how are you meant to know that there is something to learn? Yeah. You know, because it's like, yeah, internet or whatever, library. Well, it wasn't about. But, it wasn't about. But even that, you wouldn't know what to Google if you don't know it's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has exactly. to come from somewhere. You can't just be like, uh, oh, well, you were a kid, so you have no responsibility. Now you're 30, you should fucking know. Yeah. Like, where is it meant to come yeah. from? Education, education, education. Education. But, like, that sounds, like, so serious, and education, but it's also about just letting it all just be yeah. out there, everything, without 
categorizing it or departmentalizing it. It's just all there. Let everyone know the information. Have it all at your hand. Don't be afraid of it. And then everyone will grow up with it without, and it takes away all the shame mm. and all that. There's um, two things I, I want to talk about on that. It, it, it's the, um, did, have you been watching, I don't watch Big Brother, so like, no, no, I don't like that program because um, I remember the good old days when it first started. Oh, the first um, season? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but like, um, there's a drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race called Courtney Act yeah. um, that is on it at the moment, um, Shane. And I, it's been public up on Facebook loads because he's been because he is drag queen. Um, he sees, I think, he sees, sees himself as a gay man and he sees himself as a man. However, he has these female tendencies and whatever. So he's sitting in his house. I because I don't know who celebrities are these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. There's all these people I have no idea who they are. But um, Courtney Axe is in there, and there's been about three or four videos that have gone online now. He is like schooling the country on gender. Amazing. And he's talking to them in, he's, he's a very Zen person. He's very eloquent and very intellectual, but he doesn't lecture. He doesn't browbeat and he doesn't overwhelm the people that he's talking to. He actually listens to what they're asking and answers them in a way that they can hear. But there was this one video and there was like um, three or four guys. And to me, like straighty, straighty, McStraighty lads, like sports yeah. people, like whoever. Again, that's me judging just from watching it, but watching them engage with him. And he was like getting ready in drag at the time and they were discussing gender and who he was and the spectrum and what the difference between drag and trans is. And he was talking about it so well. These guys were listening. Like they were hardcore listening and engaging. And it was so, I nearly cried. Yeah. It was so amazing just watching how this was being done. Um, And it's so natural. And the fact that they were taking in the information. But for me, I was like, so there's going to be some homophobic, lad laddie and this is really generalizing but some mm. stereotypical person that's like oh, fuck you, right watching this and that's probably one of their idols when their sports heroes engaging in this conversation now if they see their idol their sports hero confident with being around somebody like shane or courtney act do you know what i mean then they're gonna go oh well it's cool because my idol thinks it's cool yeah. so that shit is amazing but it proves this is my point that if we were just like that all the time there would be no issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone, there would be no fear. There would be no, we install it through, because there's a lack of education and we, we hide it away. Oh, I, uh, I, I, uh, I spoke to... That's a very um, general point, but it's like, annoying. My, so my aunt is quite old now and I was trying to explain to her, uh, I don't know how we got talking, but she was basically like, I don't understand, there's men and women, there's nothing else kind mm. of thing. And I went like, I tried to explain just like what what is trans, and I explained like what is non-binary, and I was and she was very, like what what is what do you, what's that, and I said like oh it's you know some people like just the label man feels wrong and the label mm. woman feels wrong, and there's not really a label that fits, so these people just want to be a person and just want to be them instead yeah. of she or he, and my aunt looked at me for a bit and then she went oh well that's me, and then I was just like wow. And then she went, oh, well, I'm going to go start dinner. And I was like, yeah. Like, imagine if that had been part of her culture 60 years ago. I know. Growing up, knowing that was like also an option. It br- it both broke my heart and made me so I'm happy. I'm literally not joking about it. I'm welling right? up here. You telling me that? Because you kind of go, fuck. Imagine that. What life she could have had or what kind of life she had if she had that freedom. Yeah. And what life kids now 
have. Maybe, hopefully, can have. They're having. Maybe they are having. Because oh, well, yeah. it will all be constant evolution. Um, I'm yeah. kind of gutted. I'm not going to be, when I'm older, I won't be around to see that mm. freedom. Do you know what I mean? But there's that, there's that constant evolution. If we, I didn't, I was quite shut away about everything until the video and that was what was really I'm about to do another video as a follow-up but it's been so incredibly freeing but you said it to me I am opinionated and I get annoyed at everyone's opinions lines, but I don't put my opinions out there because you're always worried about the backlash because I'm not really a confrontational kind of person also because the amount of shit they've had I'm too tired to have all that going on but <laughs> I always use this quote and it's from Legally Blonde movie which is really cheesy <laughs> but she says if you don't like she's choosing a wedding dress and the fabric doesn't work and she says you don't like the fabric change it and it's very simple you know um, but you don't just change it by moaning or whinging or putting things on Facebook about it I mean that helps putting things on Facebook because it's, it's, it's a way of putting information out there but you've got to get off your ass and you've got to go do something but that is also you don't have to be screaming and shouting from the top of every building so everyone can hear you, your little voice can change something. Thank you so much for listening. I love Stuart so much. The second half of this episode will be out on Wednesday. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, thank you for listening. This is, uh, I know I go on about this, but I, I like you supporting this financially helps more than you can possibly imagine it is so important to me and you are so important to me and I know that sounds so wanky but I don't know there's something about someone trusting you to create something (laughs) do you know what I mean like most times when people ask you to create something you know they have a quite a clear cut you know they want you to be this thing or they want you to do that thing and it never really feels like that's who you are what you wanted to do but with you guys, it's just like, you're just trusting me. You trust that I get you good guests and that I upload it on time, which I don't always do. And I'm sorry about that. So it's a lot of, it It feels quite, I don't know, I'm emotional about everything these days. So I think that's what's happening right now. Um, so I want to say truly thank you. And that's for ev- like everyone who, sometimes when I get little emails when people support me financially, and sometimes I get a bit... Like if someone donates less than $5 per episode, uh, I always, I kind of want to be like, I hope you don't feel bad about not giving five, because I know I make a big deal out of the people who give $5 per episode. And that's because it's, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. I think I just want to say that you all matter. Like I, I think that's such a lovely sentiment that people give what they can. And if, you know, $1 to some people is, a lot more than what five dollars is to other people do you know what i mean anyways what i'm trying to say is thank you and i and i appreciate it and i know it's not um i know it's significant for you as well uh you know that you are you've made this decision that you didn't have to make and that means everything so thank you so much and also to the rest of you who um who can't afford to support which is fine uh i can see that you share the mopad on social media and twitter instagram i still love it when you um when you message not message but when you tweet at the person who's been a guest and you tell them how much it meant to you that is so kind and i love that that's our thing i love that people are like hey your listeners are really nice and i'm like yeah i know right that's so incredible anyways so 
And also, you know, the whole five star on iTunes reviews things, it helps me out anyways. Um, but I do want to give a special thank you to the people on Patreon who donate more than $5 per episode. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, um, you uh, can support with whatever you want uh, per episode and it'll, the website will do it all automatically. And um, if you give uh, $5 or more and you click the little box where you say you want to be a friend of the podcast, I think is what it's called, you will get your name butchered at the end of each episode. <laughs> so that's what's going to happen now. So on the date of this recording, the friends of the uh, podcast are the incredible Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingrith, Marnie Biles, Phil Vabilis, uh, Rachel, Rachel Furley, uh, who is the owner of the Mopad Dog? Anyways, Zoe Cumberland, George Pearson, Marbles Lost, Jessica, Sheena Robinson, George M. N. K. M. K. Jane Mahoney. Oh, did I say that right? Mahoney? Oh, yeah. Mans- Mansour Mir, Claire, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Ewan Wilkie, Josie, Lily, Rob Crosslin, Harry Minut, Minut, Minut? Oh, God. Cecil Fjeldsson, Rachel Hemsley, Mari Fraser, Lucy, Aileen Olofsson, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davidson, Pody Patterson, Steph Ream, Ruth Harvey, Bethany Dahlstrom, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kapper, James Frew, Karen Threthaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sergolasen, Inga Ellingsen, Caleb Melchior, Dr. Bodecycle. <laughs> well done, you can choose your own names. Emma Chan, Kathy Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldi... Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Grace Suitzer, Cat Pillar, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Eikerseth, and Daniel Reifers. Shade. <laughs> I almost had it. I almost had it. Um, you guys mean the world to me. Thank you so, so, so much. And um, yeah, I'll speak to you next week. Uh, thank you so much to Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, to Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. Bye! Bye!